we all think we're going to get drafted. And yeah, name doesn't get called. Can we, should we pay attention to the name not being called or should we pay attention to who's calling? And that's what I did right there. But that kept a chip on my shoulder and that made me choose Denver. Detroit, the Detroit Lions offered me the, the most money, but I was like, if I can go play with Peyton Manning, right there, my man, <laughs> my man, Pete Money, if I can go play with him, I can play in the NFL. another episode of The Burn. I am Ben Newman, and you already know how we do this. Every single week, bringing you stories of what we call The Burn. It's that underlying fire that ignites why and purpose that then causes champions in so many different walks of life, entrepreneurs, athletes, business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, to attack what it looks like to be their best in their life. Now, today is really special because I've got one of the Michigan State Spartans here on the show. A lot of you may not know this, but I went to Michigan State, so I'm a Spartan dog. So anytime you can get a fellow Spartan dog on the show, like Benny Fowler, it is always exciting. So Benny, welcome to The Burn. Hey, Ben, appreciate you, man. We've been been talking about this for a long time, but I appreciate you having me on the show, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, you're, you're very welcome. I always love your energy, your passion, how you show up in life, how you played the game, uh, did so many things at such a high level. And it, it, your resume is going to come out in the questions that I ask. But here, here's where I have got to start. What in the world was in the water in those suburbs of Detroit? Because the <laughs> year that you won the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos, with Peyton Manning spinning the thing to you, and you had some great plays that season. I mean, big-time players make big-time plays, big-time games. And so you had some big-time plays that season. You win the Super Bowl. But in that same year, right, you had Draymond Green win uh, the NBA championship with the Golden State Warriors. And then the year before that, Jonas Gray so my dear friend wins the Super Bowl. And you guys all grew up together like what was it? Because I know the burn is important, but like, tell me about the water in those suburbs of Detroit. Man, that was incredible. That was an incredible, just that run of championships. So Jonas wins, then Draymond wins, then I win. Draymond goes back to the finals. He's been winning forever. But it was just incredible. The fact that this group of people who played AAU basketball together grew up in and had fun in Bloomfield Hills where I went to high school and Jonas and I went to high school with Draymond would come down from Saginaw. That was incredible, but it showed that when you surround yourself with the right people, success is going to come. And Tony Robbins, I think he talks about success leaves clues. And we were all hanging around each other at the same time, but it was a level of competition. Jonas at Notre Dame, Draymond and I at Michigan State, the best university in the world. We're all there, (laughs) but we're all competing with each other. And I'll never forget our group chat. It was about 10 guys in there, Division I players and players who played in the pros. It was competitive every single day in terms of who was working out, who was doing the best, who was, who was winning in conditioning. I remember Draymond went to – he was in the NBA, maybe his second year in the NBA, and I was still at Michigan State, and he came back to East Lansing 
during summer condition and he would ask the strength coaches on how I, how I was doing in terms of conditioning if I was actually pushing myself was I winning the sprints because he knew how talented I was that's what real friendship is when somebody's holding you accountable not always patting you on the back so Jonas did the same thing Jonas is the reason why I started playing high school football I wanted to be a basketball player I'm like I'm going to the NBA I want to be like the late great Kobe Bryant but Jonas was like man you have some talents and abilities that you can definitely use on the football field because I had ran track with Jonas and him getting me and convincing me to go out there is the reason why I was able to go to Michigan State and then you know that led to the NFL so shout out to Jonas who we both know and love oh I mean his his son is my godson Jonas Jr and you know Jonas and I have had so many amazing times in the past and just, just, it's awesome to see how you guys have inspired each other, which inspires so many, you know, individuals to really understand what it means to chase after your dreams, but then to put in the work on a daily basis to make them happen. <clears throat> so let's go back to the Michigan State days. Had a great run at Michigan State, part of some great teams. All of a sudden, it's NFL draft time. And all the work that I've done in the league, I know the anticipation of that day. And for many players that people don't realize, right, because they go on to have great careers, spend eight years, you were undrafted. And I know you were there that day waiting for your name to get called, and it didn't. How did that impact your burn, Benny? Because there's a lot of people who in that moment, they give up. It's like, well, if I didn't hear my name, this wasn't for me. And then there's other guys like you, and I call it that underdog mentality. So Will Compton was the first player I ever worked with in the league back in 2013, and he was undrafted. Talk to us about that different fire that comes when you don't hear your name called. Yeah, that, that fire depends on who you are and, and what the purpose is. Now, the purpose in when you talk about the burn, I didn't necessarily know what my burn was at that time. You know, I was just trying to figure myself out, but I knew my ultimate goal in terms of who I was becoming. I wanted to be a professional athlete. That was my goal as a little kid. I wanted to be a professional athlete. So, yes, I did not get drafted. I thought I was going to get drafted. Like I said, like you were saying, coming out of Michigan State, 13 and one, we win the Rose Bowl, we win the Big Ten Championship, only team in Big Ten history to win every game by 10 or more points. I mean, we, we dominate season. So everybody, you know, myself, Max Bulla, we all think we're going to get drafted. And yeah, name doesn't get called. But what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to become a pro. So why would I not focus on the 20 teams that were calling for me to be a preferred free agent, a high priority mm. free agent? So that's what I had to do in real time. Okay, yes, I could sulk and be upset that I didn't hear my name called. Or I can see that the opportunity is already here in terms of the 20 teams that are on that are calling me right now. And that's what I had to do in real time. I had my, my dad there. My brother was there. And, you know, my mom was on the phone with me and we were just making sure like, hey, like what's going on right now? Can we should we pay attention to the name not being called or should we pay attention to who's calling? And that's what I did right there. But that kept a chip on my shoulder and that made me choose Denver. Detroit, the Detroit Lions offered me the, the most money, but I was like, if I can go play with Peyton Manning right there, my man, my <laughs> man, money, if I can go play with him, I can play in the NFL and I needed to go learn. There was something, there was a gap there that I needed to learn. And I need to pick it up quick. And that's the reason why I chose Denver. 
So o- over your left shoulder, you got a jersey signed by the the great Peyton Manning. Over yeah. your right shoulder, you got something else that uh, a, a lot of people dream of that never have the opportunity to hold. Uh, for for those, y'all better know what we're talking about. <laughs> but uh, that that Lombardi Trophy. So, you know, number one, I would just say I, I hope everybody's paying attention to Benny's answer. You know, we don't always get exactly what we want but we do get to choose how we respond. So you responded with great intentionality to say, what's the best place for me? Where can I learn? Where can I go be a champion? And so not only did you become a pro, you became a champion. And I'm gonna take you in a direction, I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this. I hope they did, because I (laughs) intentionally had this question for a long time, I wanted to ask you, how many wide receivers can say they played with three Hall of Famers? So you got to catch the thing from Drew Brees. You got to catch the pigskin from Eli Manning. You got to catch it from Peyton Manning. How many guys can say they three Hall of Famers? It's incredible what you've done in your career. So here's the fun questions. I want you to answer two questions. The fun question, and then you just tell me what it was like to play with three Hall of Famers and what you learned. But the fun question is, who threw a better ball, Eli or Peyton? <laughs> and then Eli, and then you Eli, get to tell yeah, me ahead, what, what you learned with three Hall of Famers. Well, it's actually four Hall of Famers. I, I did play. I signed with the Patriots for one week during the 20, 2018 season. So I did play with Tom Brady. I did not play in a game, but they traded for Josh Gordon that week. But Bill Belichick is one of my highlights of my career, even though I was only there for a week, is Bill Belichick signing me and being around Tom Brady. So I've played with and been around four, four of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, Peyton throws a more catchable, I would say, pass. The the anticipation is there. Eli throws a better spiral. Um, I don't know who's funnier. They're both funny, both great and incredible leaders, great and incredible dads, awesome teammates, best storytellers I've ever been around are the two Manning brothers. So they have a they have a lot of fun. Obviously, people can see that on that Monday night football cast. But I've learned a lot from all of them. Peyton, the way you treat people and your preparation and your process and the way he understood the game. I mean, what he did as a quarterback will never, ever be able to be done again in terms of his mind, pre-snap reads, audibles and how you can adapt that and relate that to business is how are you adapting in real time? Or are you so stuck in your plans and stuck in your ways that you're not open to actual change? I think about one of the things that he always made the third string quarterback do is he made the third string quarterback every Monday watch the TV copy of the game to see wow. what sig- to see what signals and code words were said on TV so that we could change them that week, but also use those same code words or signals to fool the defense. And we would have like a bozo, a bozo call in terms of like, okay, we said this last week, they probably picked up on it, and then we've run the double move off of it. But that's being ready. That's being adaptable. That's being prepared. That's being connected to your daily disciplines like you talk about all the time. Understanding where you need to go and understanding like you're going to have to change. You're going to have to adapt. That's what leaders have to do. When it comes to, to Eli, I tell people all the time, Eli's car was parked in the same spot at 1925 Giants Place every single morning. Now, he could park anywhere. There's a whole bunch of spots in the front, but he parked in the same spot. 
he was he was leading by example. So if Eli asked me to do something, I have no problem doing it because I know he's already putting in the work. So you as a leader, are you doing what you say you're going to do? Tom Brady, I was only there for a week, but I'll never forget. I walk into the building around 6 a.m. He's sitting right there in front of his locker. And I go up, I introduce myself and he says, ah, got another Michigan State guy. <laughs> he said, hey. And then he mentioned something about Jonas. <clears throat> He mentioned something about Michigan State and said, man, you know, really in, enjoyed watching you in, in Denver. But I had just signed the day before, but him actually doing the work in terms of understanding who he was working with. That's important as a leader. Incredible. You want to run through the wall. You want to run through a wall for somebody. You want somebody to run through a wall for you. You have to get them, know, know them as a person. The fact that he already knew the, all that information about me was incredible. And then Drew Brees. I mean, my story about Drew Brees, first of all, one of the greatest leaders and somebody else who is always addicted to the process. I mean, Saturdays before the game, he's going through walkthrough. We go through walkthrough as a team. Everybody leaves the indoor facility and there's just him in there. And he starts at the one yard line. And he goes through every single play of the game plan. One yard line, two yard line, all the way down to the next end zone. But you, that's how you become the most accurate quarterback of all time is knowing your reads and knowing where you're going with the ball. So you as a leader, do you know where you're going? Do you know where your team is going? Are you doing, are you preparing every single day? Those four quarterbacks, as much as they were, you know, great quarterbacks, that, that speaks to them as leaders and as fathers and as husbands. I love it. It's incredible. What a blessing to have learned those amazing lessons. And, you know, you referenced earlier, you know, the individuals in, in your life and how they impact how you show up. So all the way, look at the blessings you've had from Jonas and Draymond, that iron sharpens iron mentality that you had to learning from quarterbacks like this and all these amazing teammates. One of the things that I really appreciate about you, Benny, is how now after your career in the transition, the amount of clarity that you have maintained on exactly the impact you want to have off the field, you know, the speaking and the leadership training and the coaching that you're doing. There's a lot of people that call me that say they want to do that kind of work, but you actively are doing that kind of work and you're making an impact in the corporate world as well as with sports. And so here's the message that I have for you. We'll reference the football field, but it's more for those individuals who are struggling to get in the game. You know, so many people, they're, they're sitting on the sidelines, right? Like COVID's reemerging again. It's back. Well, what am I going to do? I'm just going to wait. And so many people are waiting, Benny. Their, their self-talk is causing them to accept their excuses or what maybe the world tries to tell us our excuses are rather than choosing to get in the game. So what is it for you that has always caused you to get in the game? Because I'll tell you, there's a lot of athletes, they call me, oh man, I want to be a speaker and a coach. Like, that'd be cool. But like, you've gotten in the game, like you're doing it. There's a lot of players who they're undrafted. They say they want to go become that pro, but they don't work hard enough. So you've got this history of getting in the game. What's the advice that you give to that person who's just waiting on the sidelines and they just haven't taken that step to put in the work and to get in the game? 
I would say the people who want to get in the game, they, they need to understand their purpose. But I would say the reason why I've been able to get in the game is because of the foundation that my parents set. My mom and my dad set the foundation for me to get in the game. And they helped me, they helped me to understand what was important. Yes, getting to the pros is important, but who you're becoming to get to the pros, that's what it's all about. And I wear this bracelet that says the prize is in the journey from the Michael Sadler Foundation. And the prize is in the journey. But my dad laid an incredible foundation in terms of who he was. My dad rose up to the corporate ranks to become the vice president of Ford Motor Company. Before that, he was the COO of Jaguar and Land Rover. That leadership, he's the best leader I've ever been around. He set the example every single day in terms of getting up. I never forget, he would always take us on Saturday mornings when he was a plant manager at Ford, he would take us on Saturday mornings and we would ride around the assembly plant to make sure that the operation and everything that he, and the standard that he had set was following to what he believed and what should have been the example. So my dad really laid that foundation. The best, the best leader, I would say 1A and 1A, because my mom set an incredible foundation in terms of what she did. My mom practice. And she taught, I don't, I hate to say this, but she taught at the University of Michigan Law School. <laughs> um, oh, it pains me every time I have to say it, but she also set a foundation. My parents set an incredible foundation of, okay, if this is what you want to do, you're going to stick to it. So when I told my mom, I wanted to go to the pros, I wanted to be a professional athlete. That's when she started waking me up at 6.30 AM to run the stairs, mm. weight pants on and start running the stairs. And that's what really set the foundation and pushed me forward and propelled me forward my brother Ford, I have two sisters and my stepmom, but that, that propelled me forward in terms of like, if you want to do something, there's going to require work. So to those athletes, those people who are sitting on the sideline, yeah, it might be cool to be a speaker like Ben Newman and be a coach like Ben Newman, but you know what it takes to work the, the back office work to go out there and find clients and to actually deliver. That's an actual game day. Yeah, it looks cool on Instagram and what people see. You see the, fi the final product. There's a lot of work that goes into it, a lot of studying, a lot of understanding yourself. Self-awareness is key. It's key. Yeah, Benny, I, I, I am loving this conversation. It, uh, I know we could go on and on and on, <laughs> but uh, a couple more things that I want to highlight and then one final big fun question. The thing I want to highlight is, you know, you look at the success that you had on the football field playing eight years in the NFL when the, you know, average is, you know, two years and nine games. I mean, to qualify for retirement is three years and three games for a reason. Most people never get there. And you did two and a half times that in the league. It's incredible what you accomplished coming out. Of course, I hope everybody heard, you know, there were a couple of Michigan references, but Michigan state university. Yes. And then to be doing what you're doing with speaking, writing and coaching, but you're still giving back. You know, I, I think every conversation we've had, there's something that you've been doing for kids or there's something you've been doing for a charity. Even today, the invitation that you offered to me to share the stage with you back at Michigan state to honor Michael Sadler, the punter who died tragically back in 2014, you know, to, to share the stage with Mel Tucker and coach D'Antonio and you like, Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to be able to impact with you. 
stage like that. So it's with as busy as you've been and all you've done, you keep giving and serving. And, and I think it's amazing. And so I, I love your heart and how you show up and your passion. Um, so we went deep there, but now we're going to go fun, fun question. So we're going to roll this Super Bowl week. So just so everybody understands some context. So I'm putting, putting Benny on the stage here. So we're recording this before the AFC and NFC championship game. So Benny Fowler, who is going to win the Super Bowl this year? I'm going to take Kansas City. I'm going to take Kansas City. And that's because they have a championship pedigree. What they were able to do, I don't think people really understand this. Every, it was a great game, a great ending. <clears throat> but in real time, what Patrick Mahomes did, what Andy Reid did, what those players did, the burn, understanding, hey, we're not giving up. 13 seconds left. Every other team in the NFL, I guarantee it, I can almost guarantee that, would have chalked it up. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey draw something up in the dirt and say, hey, just just find, I'm just going to find the open spot. That means they actually believe, they actually believe they could get a field goal with 13 seconds left. That belief is incredible. And then you get into overtime and everybody's talking about the overtime rules. Look, the Buffalo Bills had 60 minutes and they basically won the game. They didn't finish the game though. They had it won. Josh mm -hmm. Allen did everything he needed to to win that game, but they didn't finish. And then you see Andy Reid in the plays that he called in overtime, in real time, third and ones, second and long. They went down the field 75 yards and scored a touchdown. I mean, that's that's in incredible. And then I, I would probably take them over the Rams. I think the Rams, you know, they're due in terms of beating San Francisco. No, don't get me wrong. San Francisco was the last team I played for and with John Lynch. Adam Peters and Kyle Shannon and, and their culture and what they've done, but it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. And what, what the Rams did a couple of days ago to Tampa Bay. I mean, that, that was a little scary at the end, but the way they came out there and played, I mean, they're, they're super confident right now and they got an incredible defense. So that's going to be a battle, but I would take the Kansas city chiefs to win it all. Well, you have, have heard it here first. <laughs> From Betty Fowler, Kansas City Chiefs over the Los Angeles Rams. Benny, my fellow Spartan dog, I just, I appreciate you. I appreciate how you show up. And uh, just, I appreciate how you've stayed connected to your burn and what drives you and the hard work that it takes to be an example for individuals wanting to tackle what it means to be the best in their life. So, Benny, thank you so much for coming on the show. Ben, appreciate you, man. Thank you. I want to make sure that everybody checks out here in the notes ways that you can stay connected with Benny, as well as I want to have a request. You know, I asked the question of Benny, there are people who are waiting on the sidelines right now. There's so much adversity in the world today, but there's so much that Benny shared insight as to what it takes to get off those sidelines, having great mentors, learning from the best, putting yourself in position to be great. Please share this episode with somebody who needs the message of getting off the sidelines to go see how great they, they can be. I look forward to being with you every single week for The Burn. Let's continue to fight the good fight together.
This episode of The Burn Podcast is powered by BenNewmanCoaching.com, your number one source for increasing consistency in your life and building the mental toughness habits required to live the life of your dreams. From self-paced courses to live coaching with Ben and everything in between, head over to BenNewmanCoaching.com and join the thousands of members working to unlock their peak performance every day.